Today is the fourth Sunday of Advent, and a highlight for many will be the Christmas pageant at two this afternoon. I want to tell, as my sermon this morning, a somewhat different version of that same story, a version of the gospel I read a few minutes ago. This is an enactment that I experienced when I was on sabbatical in Zimbabwe in 1991. As part of my time there, I worked with an Irish Anglican priest who was the vicar of some 35 parishes and missions. That's right, the vicar of some 35 parishes and missions in and around Chinoy, one of the agricultural centers of Zimbabwe. Most mornings, we rose before dawn, hopped into his truck, and went out to one of the distant towns or villages. We gathered at the church, or in a farmyard, or in a school, and we celebrated the Eucharist. We baptized children and adults. We laid our hands on those who were ill. Somewheres after the service was well underway, the vicar would turn to me and say, why don't you preach on this service? I think, and that is the way they do it there, I think what he wanted me to do is to learn something about the lives of the people to whom I was preaching before I wrote my remarks. It was quite an education. In Chinoy itself, there were two parishes. One was the white church where the former farm owners had worshipped. The other, the church built for the native Africans. As part of the revolution that took place in Rhodesia in the 70s and 80s, both of those parishes were integrated, but even so, they maintained their historical character. One remained mostly white, the other almost exclusively for the native Africans. One morning, the vicar said, instead of going out into the field, I'd like you to go down to the African parish Tell them why you're here. Tell them about your parish in East Lansing, that you all are in the process of building five or six churches here in Zimbabwe and paying for the building of half of their new seminary. Tell them about the courses you're teaching and the retreats you're leading and about what you and I are doing most days.
And that is exactly what I did. This was a gathering of uh, what is known in, in Africa as the Mother's Union. It is the equivalent of our Episcopal Church women. And on that morning, there were perhaps 50 or 60 women gathered. And they began their meeting by enacting the gospel I just read in a different way. The enactment started with three young women of the group, all dressed up in very colorful outfits, satin high-heeled shoes, very fancy scarves over their heads. As they paraded around the sanctuary, they paraded pridefully and arrogantly, prattling to one another about the rumors that were then going on in Jerusalem. These were three young princesses. And what was rumored, and they repeated as they strutted about, was that God was going to finally fulfill God's promise of sending a Messiah for the salvation of all humankind. That God was finally going to vindicate Israel, finally going to cast out Rome and the evil colonial empire. You might also read, cast out the evil regime of Robert Mugabe. And of course, if God had any couth at all, any long-toothed wisdom after all these ages, God would have the Messiah be born to one of these prideful princesses. Ta, ta, ta. Over in the corner, dressed in contemptible rags, was the peasant girl Mary. Read Cinderella. She was on her knees, scrubbing the chancel floor. As the three princesses tatted by her, they were full of disdain and derision for that nothing of a peasant wretch. Then suddenly, as if the ceiling of the church had broken open, there was Gabriel, the angel, in all his royal display. He had come to announce to Mary that she would be the mother of the one being born. This scullery wretch. The princesses screeched in horror at the absurdity of God's intentions and ran off in disgust. Surprise is almost always 
are part of the stories in which God chooses a messenger. Because God chooses by different criteria than human culture. Mary, after listening carefully to Gabriel, trying to demure given her unworthiness, gently rose from her washerwoman position on the floor. The, la the rags fell off, revealing what must have been a wedding gown, light blue, the color of Mary. And as she rose and captured her own sense of personhood and dignity, her mouth opened and she began to sing. My soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked with favor on his lowly servant. From this day, all generations will call me blessed. Blessed. The Almighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. He has mercy on those who fear him in every generation. He has thrown the strength, he has shown the strength of his arm. He has scattered the proud in their conceit. He has cast down the mighty from their thrones, and he has lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent empty away. He has come to the help of his servant Israel, for he has remembered his promise of mercy, the promise he made to our fathers, to Abraham and his children forever. From the beginning of the agricultural revolution, when it became possible for some folks to gather more resources than others, from the time that those who gathered those abundant resources began to hire warriors to protect what they had gathered and accumulated unto themselves wealth and power, the question raised in the circles of the wise and thoughtful was, can the great be good? Or will they use their riches and power to make the lives of the lowly worse? And what about God, the greatest one of all? If there is a God, and we continue, many of us, to ask the same question today, if there is a God, is God good? If my life is so hard, if my loved ones suffer, is this not the question we're asking in the week that E.J. died? If the rich and powerful can continue to exploit the poor and lowly unmercifully, 
How can God be seen as good and great? Luke's nativity story answers these questions with a resounding shout of yes, 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 there is a God. Yes, that God sees where goodness truly rests. Sometimes it rests among the rich and powerful, other times among the poor and powerless. And wherever it is, that goodness is honored in these stories and held up for all the world to see. God is good. God is good, very good. And therefore, God is truly great. But those wretchedly poor women of color saw more in that story than a statement about the goodness of God. They knew Mary was called blessed. In the Eastern tradition, the Theotokos, the bearer of God, because Mary shared what God gave her. She let God's grace and love act through her to be a blessing to all the world. We remember Mary not just because we honor her, but to remind each of us that we can participate in God's story by ourselves being bearers of goodness to those in need. At the end of that meeting with the Mother's Union, the women presented me with a cloth bag they had made in their sewing circle an hour before. That cloth bag was filled with pennies. Pennies they collected as they passed the bag back and forth during my presentation. Here I was in Chinoy, Zimbabwe, having traveled thousands of miles, spending thousands of dollars, standing there in front of them with a camera hanging off my shoulder worth a couple of more thousand dollars. And they handed me a cloth bag with 38 pennies in it. As they handed me the bag, their leader looked at me and said, we know you are here to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Our country is very hot this time of year, and the roads very dusty. We want you to be able to share that story. With these 38 cents, please buy a Coca-Cola or two so you can preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
these women had learned from this nativity story and other gospel lessons that in the midst of a world that does not honor or much respect goodness, by coming together, by believing in God's greatness and God's goodness, one can form community and connection. And as God moves through them in community and connection, they can themselves be a blessing, share what they have found, be God-bearers to others, even against great odds. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord.